Hello and welcome to the Ford Unto Dawn podcast, the show about the lore and universe of the Halo franchise. This is episode number 41. I'm David, and I'm joined by my usual co-host, sentient pillar of salt, Danny. Hidely, hidely. And we've got two guests for this episode. First up is Haruspis, last seen on this podcast back in episode 33. Welcome. Hello there. I think Danny definitely got a better intro with uh, the description. <laughs> sentient pillar of salt. <laughs> Sometimes it fits. Mm. And a very special guest is returning our old co-host, Isaac, a.k.a. Final Postmortem. How's it going, everyone? It's been a while. Yeah. Isaac cruelly left Ford Unto Dawn to work on his own projects. Uh, he runs the YouTube channel off-screen. Yep. I call it Literary Analysis of Film and Media Franchises. Um, but I just do video essays breaking down different media properties. Basically the same thing I used to do for Forward Unto Dawn, but video form and all subjects, not just Halo. And it's apropos he's joined us again for this episode, because we're going to be talking about the Master Chief um, as a character, as the face of Halo and Xbox, past, present, future, uh, in recognition of Cannon Fodder issue 117. Uh, and I guess Grim Brother 1, who actually recently just hit seven years at 343. So a Halo.Bungie.org alumni who made good. May we all be so lucky. <laughs> So, in terms of starting things off, does anyone have opening statements? The Master Chief is a cool guy who fights aliens and doesn't afraid of anything. The one thing I was thinking about uh, starting this out was that in many ways, Master Chief feels like very much of a throwback in that I think really, I mean, you can argue this stuff, I think really he is the last of the mascots, like the era where you had characters from your game franchise that, that sort of became your platform. Like PlayStation never, they tried a lot, but I don't know, Sackboy kind of got closest, but they never had a brand name. <laughs> like at one time they had Spyro, they had stuff like that, but like Nathan Drake or The Last of Us are not really mascots in the same way that Sonic was or Mario is. I guess Kratos is sort of around that sort of ballpark. Yeah, maybe. Crash Bandicoot would have been that, but then they started on Xbox. Yeah, but I don't think that matters to... Like, it's one of those things where what are those people who don't care about video games as much as us think about stuff? But Master Chief, like, people recognize him, even if it's just, oh, that space marine or that guy who shoots aliens there was actually yeah there's um the master chief appeared in a, a question on the weakest link if you saw on uh reddit uh somebody posted a clip of it so it's still very much out in the uh the cultural sort of consciousness yeah in the same way that people recognize like the tetris theme or something even if they they don't play it mm. or super mario um that level of broader um appreciation, knowledge, um, iconography. Um, and I think that's one of the, the singular successes of Master Chief because that is not a thing now in the same way, even if yeah, Nathan Drake or Kratos are super big parts of PlayStation's franchise or Forza and Gears are to uh, Halo. I don't know. He's a big, giant, colorful platform character, you know what I mean? He can fit right in there with Sonic Mario, sure. <laughs> But he's not really iconic until he appears in Smash, right? So he's not iconic yet. He's almost there. Almost, but not quite. He's getting He'll be there. waiting a while. 
But I think that also ties into where he started as a character. Um, and that's that's one of the interesting things as lore people to see how uh, Chief's characterization has changed over time. That he was really just a cool space marine uh, to Bungie to start with. And now he's so much more to so many people. And I think for a large chunk of fans, especially casual fans... Halo is the Master Chief, and trying to figure out a way of making Halo games where that's not the case is tough. You mean Halo isn't Jameson Locke? <laughs> not yet. It'd be quite interesting, because obviously there's been a lot of calls for like Jerome and Isabel to replace the sort of iconic Chief Cortana role, and I wonder if, hmm. like, let's say they did that in the future... Would people just sort of look at him and say, oh, yes, the chief, but, you know, without the sort of greater kind of recognition, just because the aesthetic is basically the same? I think there would be a lot of people who would do that, like, especially in that for some people, like the same way that the chief is just the character you inhabit to blast aliens, like Cortana is just that person in your ear who tells you where to go. Like to that point, for those people, it doesn't really matter. Um, Mm. And that's why master chief is so great is because he was cool enough like that hey i don't care about anything else i get to be this cool dude and blow up aliens and that is totally sufficient like what story i don't know what's going on i'm just shooting aliens (laughs) my question is is master chief john or can it be someone else and propose it was it was you baked a question earlier and i just was wondering could we accept a master chief that isn't john in future so you're saying that we would we would have like MCU type recasting where John retires off to an island and then so and so someone takes it. up the mantle the iconic front yeah we, we you get to, you go in a million different you go in a million different directions we don't need to go down the the Marvel uh, back road or anything but I'm just saying would you guys in future would you guys accept someone else being the master chief? As in, would it be a character who sort of has that rank, who who actually does have that rank? Right? And you tell me. Of... You tell me. What does that mean? Dear? <laughs> uh, that does also, yeah, beg the parallel question of um, could we accept the Master Chief getting a new rank, becoming like the Lord of Admirals, Lord of Chiefs, <laughs> Chief of Chiefs? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's kind of in this one of the the changes is that he actually. 343 actually mentioned his real name, John, in some things, whereas for in the Bungie mm-hmm. era, he was just chief. Yeah, this this kind of gets to an interesting point. It's something that I was thinking about when you guys asked me to jump on this podcast is what has been Master Chief's transformations over the course of the whole saga? Because we had somewhat of an arc in the Bungie trilogy, and now we're getting to the third installment in the quote-unquote Reclaimer saga. I guess you can call it a trilogy, however you want to look at it. But then Infinite, they're saying, is going to be the last Halo game with updates for the next 10 years. So is it even really the conclusion to a trilogy? Can you look at his story in the same way? That's an interesting question because, you know, you look back at Halo 1 uh, in sort of tandem with the Fall of Reach. And there's some consistency, I think, in the layering of the character there in terms of how he sort of acts in, in Halo 1's campaign. He's very expressive uh, because obviously the animation at the time was just sort of kind of like that. 
Um, but he comes across with a lot of character in Halo 1, I think, even not necessarily in what he says, because he's only got like 34 lines, I think, in total. But then you get to Halo 2, of course, and he's got 18 lines, and they're all like one-liners and just asking questions. And you've got a very different kind of character who kind of comes out of that. And then you get to Halo 3, and it's like there's a completely different Chief as well, again, because they kind of they want him to have this big kind of emotional arc with Cortana, uh, you know how he, sort of rescuing her somewhat drives his motivation, uh, but at the same time they try to kind of keep him as that sort of shell who doesn't say much, doesn't he? He mostly kind of stands around in cutscenes, and everyone else does the talking and everything else. So even within the Bungie trilogy, I just I see three distinct, separate Master Chiefs, which have come about as obviously the circumstances of how those games were written, because obviously Halo One was largely kind of penned by, you know, Eric Troutman, Brian Boren, Matt Sowell from the sort of the Microsoft side. Uh, and then Halo 2, obviously, had its very famous um, sort of development crunch and everything, loads of stuff getting cut. And then Halo 3 was a very different story altogether where, you know, Joe Staten had left Bungie, had uh, gone to work on other projects, and they got in various writing committees and uh, editors and everything. So it's just, it's quite interesting to sort of look at the picture as a whole and see all these different sort of aspects of the chief, which have kind of come out over the years. And yet we still think of him in this very singular kind of way. I think that's what the average player does. They go, yeah, it's just master chief, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And then there's all the different ways that the way his character was written, responded to how the fans were feeling and how the fans felt about the franchise overall. I mean, Halo 2, that whole hype train, the launch of that, the media coverage, and Chief's confidence in the narrative and his dialogue kind of reflected that attitude a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the well, and yeah, I don't think there is anything in the game that is really um, to the same degree of the, the whole bet you can't stick it. I that you're on part (laughs) Uh, once again in a in a time-honored tradition of of halo marketing hey there's this cool thing that's not actually going to be in the game (laughs) i think one of the things it's it's truly say whenever you look back upon all the all the chief games as it were is that because we're spending more time with the chief over consecutive games the developers have had to expand upon his character a lot more it used to be a blank canvas and you'd, you'd you'd jump into his boots but there'd be nothing inside the shell but yourself. And nowadays, you're stepping inside his boots. There's something else there. You know, I mean, you're you're filling the shoes of a particular character with a particular backstory and particular motivations. And that's just built up with time as the franchise is developed. And he's at the center of it all. So, of course, mm-hmm. it makes sense to build upon everything that comes beforehand. Mm-hmm. He's no longer sort of the Watson bearing witness to the story. He's become, the story has become very much more about him and who he is and what he wants and his place in the universe. And 343 has been mm-hmm. you know, really intent on sort of exploring and expanding that. And that's, that's kind of part of the, as important as Chief is to the survival of the universe. Uh, it's one of those interesting things. If you look at the, the Human Covenant War, ultimately Chief didn't factor into it at all basically like the the thing you can say is that well he killed regret and that pushed up truth's timetable and he helped cause the fracture of the covenant but beyond that like sort of humanity won by dumb luck uh and so he is very much like in halo 2 he is sort of the the arbiter has the arc 
the chief is mostly just going through events mm. um and in a lot of ways i think especially this the shift from uh bungie to 343 uh in halo 4 when master chief starts talking um that's another way where master chief felt like a throwback to another era and and when silent protagonists were i would say expected um that it was, I mean, for all sorts of reasons that you didn't have them talk except for cutscenes, uh, and Bungie specifically wanted that because he wanted they wanted Master Chief to be the player. Um, they didn't want to get in the way of that. But uh, I think the shift was that there's limitations to what you can do with a character if they never talk. Like you end up with something like Half Life Two, which I think is a great game in terms of environmental storytelling and the setting, mm-hmm. but. I cannot get over the fact that everyone treats this mute dude who just goes around beating people up like a god. <laughs> he's the savior of humanity. And he's just... a Dead Space 1 phenomena. Yeah. I always thought in Dead Space 1 that it was intentional that he was silent, like there was something wrong with him, and then they had him start speaking in the next installments, and it kind of broke the character. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, You can create a certain type of character with the silent protagonist, but you can't I think that's that's limiting and 343 wisely decided hey if we're going to have this chief cortana relationship be an important part he's got to talk more than just in cutscenes. Um as to their credit very much that it feels like such a natural move, you know, when you hear him talk in gameplay, you know, when when he quips like asking's not my strong suit. It just feels like a natural thing that he would say. And I know that they played a lot uh with um how much he talks in missions and they sort of like scaled it up scaled it down and i think they they arrived at the sweet spot in halo 4 personally Mm -hmm. it worked it was a natural transition but not only that they they also changed kind of his approach to the situations he finds himself in i mean i think constantly about that that moment in halo 4 where he refuses an order for the first time Mm. It's such a quick moment, but it's huge for his character. Yeah. It's just one of those things where the Master Chief was the right character, and I think Bungie was correct with a lot of what they did with him at the time, Um, and it just wasn't... The gameplay and the the game landscape just wasn't there for a character like Halo 4's Chief at the time. Like, you could not have done that in the, the era of of terrible, terrible, like, games. Like, going back to just, like, <laughs> advertisements for, like, 2001-era games, it's kind of amazing. Like, ah, oh, we have we have come far. <laughs> just, but like... since, we're, um, since we're looking retrospectively, I think it's fair to draw attention to the tonal shift on the treatment of the character in the games, uh, particularly contrasting going from three... Four or three had a triumphant story with the character at the at the height of a, of an epic finale, and yet four we you, you bring it back down to that sort of smaller personal level for the start for Chief's story before blowing it back up again. So there's a tonal shift I felt between three and four for the better, but you went from very less personal to quite personal in the space of a single game, and I think that did a lot to evolve his character, but it also drew a lot of criticisms because because of that shift, because of that contrast, too soon? Well, in some ways, that was also an intentional throwback. Like, we've seen now that 343 is following more or less the pattern of the Bungie trilogy. You know, you get your dual protagonists in 2, 
you get your brutes in three. For the first one, you're surviving <laughs> on a singular installation. They obviously branch, branch further out than that. But, you know, it's clear that they're following the structure of the Bungie-era games. Mm. Um, going from three back to just, you know, surviving on a singular installation, it's more about your relationship with Cortana and how you're going to stop the threat. It's, yeah, there's a contrast there. Yeah, yeah, I do think uh, in a lot of ways because they've they've spent so much time talking about like basically a soft reboot uh just a way of making it a new entry into the series but i do think that there are a lot of back to basics elements in what we've seen of his characterization just like down to um just his his chats with uh bro hammer is really feel like we took halo combat evolve chief who like grabs the guy to drag him into the lifeboat and like settles them down when they're freaking out and this nice little character and moment. then turns him into pudding as he refuses <laughs> to strap in <laughs> yeah it's they're all evil they're all chief doomed, but and even in um the flood i think doesn't get enough credit for honestly it's one of those things where i know i'm the minority but i actually prefer uh, Dietz's <laughs> interpretation of chief a little more than nylons at least in uh the fall of reach interesting i didn't know that about you yeah i I like the flood but i don't like it that much (laughs) i didn't say i liked it all that much either but he the he and it's in nylons too but you see how much just like the when uh the crewman in the cryo bay gets killed chief is pissed like hey someone's dead like <laughs> i couldn't do anything about it and i really want to go kill that guy but i got other stuff to do so are you saying that the the flood predated the halo infinite sad chief at all the corpses moment well it's it's very much in the same vein and that's where i definitely see like um, yeah that same usage of going back to all right well the chief is gonna talk a lot more which is good but also, hey, what can we do without him saying anything? And mm. the fly-through we see in the, the previous E3 trailer where he just slowly, like, the barest of of slight adjustments where you can tell that he's, like, being very respectful of the guy he blows right by. That level of just slight deference that tells you a lot without him having to say on the radio, oh, no, there are these dead people here. This is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> to be to be fair, there's one moment with the chief like in the entire series of games. There's one moment with the chief that stands out for me particularly, and it has no dialogue. And that's that infamous shot of the chief in the hangar bay, looking a bit sad. He's just sitting after mm. a battle. It's it's just just that shot in particular. You don't need anything to go with it. Just the the shot frames itself, and I think that moment. What they were trying to say in that moment speaks volumes more than any cheesy dialogue cutscene or anything. Just that small, quiet, intimate moment we had with him. Mm. I do think it's... Yeah, you're, you're the hero of humanity in the thick of the battle, and yet you can still have a lonely moment. You can still feel that isolation, despite the fact that you're surrounded by allies and comfort and safety with a war raging on around you. And that's yeah, very much so. the sort of the core theme of Halo 4, isn't it? Is that he, he sees himself as separate from humanity, but uh, that's what he's fighting for. And the, it's that kind of Wild West irony, you know, where 
the the gunslinger comes into town and he sort of you know he saves everyone but in enacting that violence he sort of separates himself from the the people that he's protecting and he has to leave in the end and it feels like they really capture that same kind of essence with the with what the master chief kind of represents Mm -hmm. and just the i think that's another major besides just offering more opportunities for characterization uh 343's era has is really spent the time like stopping and saying hey these guys are child soldiers remember um (laughs) that uh i mean the entire the entire opening cutscene of of halo 4 doesn't directly relate to most anything in halo 4 as this in terms of the story and the prometheans and the didact and stuff but it's from the very beginning when they're I really love the touch that they they make their little containment units look like Master Chief helmets. Uh, I wish that they had... The child inside, you know. It's very much setting up the themes, yeah. It's got nothing really to do with the plot of the game, but so much of the kind of what you see and what the story's kind of intentions are, they're all seeded just in those two to three minutes. And I think it's just so... I I love that scene. I will never skip that scene whenever I go back to play 4. Well, it looks like uh, Infinite's sort of like changing that because obviously four and five had their their sort of bookended by those pre-rendered scenes. You got the prologue and kind of epilogue scenes, and then five has that one Warden Eternal scene, which is also pre-rendered. But um, Infinite seems to very much be in engine, which will be interesting yeah. to see. And they they at least from what we've seen, um, a lot of it seems like, and this is something I'm excited about, kind of going back to Halo One was really good about continuity in terms of it's like, all right, we're on a Pelican at the end of this cutscene. next cutscene, we're on the Pelican. Like if we're a lot of the times the camera straight zooms into chief, like at the end. So you always mm. got the sense. Yeah. All right. This cutscene's over back here and halo infinite seems to be doing a lot of stuff where the camera will just snap back into chief seamlessly instead of, uh, doing like a hard transition or something like that, which I am excited about. Because they're going for that God of War sort of one-take shot, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll be curious to see if that's just something they use throughout or they're going to really commit to the quote-unquote one-take. We'll see. Have they made a statement about that? They have not. And I mean, you can see stuff like uh, in the opening cutscene, they just pan up to transition between chief being outside the pelican and inside so i don't think they're really they're not trying to like do hitchcock's rope or something where they're just gonna like hide behind (laughs) push into someone's back and then out and pretend like they didn't do anything but um i'll see i think it it helps it's another way of keeping you present and keeping you with the characters would the chief really have a mo- a reason to have a moment of wonder, kind of a moment to gaze up at the towering alien infrastructure? He'd be like, "Oh, another one." Yeah, so what? So the music wouldn't sweep and swell behind him anymore. Be like, "Yeah, whatever." Another good example of of the level of characterization in Comet Evolved Chief that we sort of lost is that one totally irrelevant cutscene where you can go over to the shaft in uh, the silent cartographer <laughs> and he kicks yep. the random thing down the it's like oh wow that just that just keeps going it's the the most inquisitive i guess we ever see chief actually 
And Cortana like must be just thinking, what the hell is he doing? To be fair, if you're on an alien planet surrounded by aliens and technology and wonders beyond belief, you would stop to look at a couple of rocks. You would. <laughs> well, and that it, the chief doesn't generally do that. Just I think the because... minerals, Cortana. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just that he isn't the most. Uh, intellectually curious individual <laughs> intellectually curious guy yeah which i think is is impressive in that they none of the spartans are really meatheads um but it's always a challenge when you've got a big guy in hulking armor who solves problems with shooting uh to to have <laughs> any sort of inner life come out and so yeah it generally is in the novels uh, that they explore that a little more, but I mean, they emphasize that all the Spartans are like genius-level tacticians. You can all play chess blindfolded backwards easily. <laughs> One of the things I think they've done, uh, well, leading up to Infinite, um, especially with all the the Troy Denning books, is that they've spent a lot more time on uh, I think Chief's inner life. For instance, like just dealing with, hey, like once again. I am a child soldier. I am aware of that. Like, I am okay with it. Well, you probably shouldn't be, but it's understandable why. Um, and just the idea of basically, like, that he is defined by, in some ways, by his utility. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of ties into, especially the whole man versus machine thing in Halo 4, that, like, in Escalation, he's like, all right, well, Obviously, he's going back to work because he's distraught about Cortana and stuff. But also, he just doesn't know what to do if you, uh, which is unfortunately a real parallel with uh, actual child soldiers, is that they don't do well when the fighting stops. <laughs> they they do well until that point. Which is good that they're putting that in there. I mean, you want to explore the psychological side of mm-hmm. the whole Spartan program. Yeah, there's a really good point in uh, in Escalation that is obviously setting up for Halo 5 is that, uh, you know, he will break if he carries on just sort of going on mission after mission. Like, as Fred says in Halo 5, you know, this many missions nonstop isn't fine. And then, of course, they don't, they don't really go much further with that. But it's a really interesting idea that, um, you know, Chief's he's lost Cortana, he's back with his family and... Obviously, he's been asleep for the last sort of like four years. I was going to say, he's been having a fine wee nap for a while, that kind of thing. And they've carried on fighting. (laughs) Well, and Cortana would have put him back in for a good nap, but everyone ruined that. So she was going to give him his (laughs) R&R. And I'm not sure how restful cryosleep really is. Actually, I think I remember it was in the flood. He talks about having like nightmares the whole time. Oh, yeah, Mm. which is another thing I like about the flood they, they mention. Uh it's actually kind of their full, it like uh, sort of foreshadows the, the flood. Uh, it gives you a bit about. Yeah, whole... that's, that's actually always interested me because in Halsey's journal, they also talk about one of the Spartan candidates avoiding the Oni abductors. And Halsey like theorizes that it's because of, because of some sort of like future seeing prescience. Ability, ability that well, the Spartans kind of, have like, dismisses it, like or like, oh well, that's that's ridiculous. Like, I don't believe in that. But they yeah. explore the same thing with Kurt as well, don't they? Where mm-hmm. uh, he's got that sort of precognition as well. Yeah, didn't Eric Nyland write the Halsey's journal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was important enough for him to bring up. 
you know, even if Halsey, the character dismisses it, like yeah. somebody wanted it in there as a possibility. It ties into, I always think of um, Chief's vision of Cortana and Halo 5. Like it's something that they're continuing to do, whether it's, you know, explored as actual prescience or not. Well, and then the whole the whole question of how Cortana and the Gravemind are talking with Chief too in Halo Three, which has never still gotten a good satisfactory explanation. I believe in terms of the mechanics of how that scene goes down in five, I have a satisfactory explanation in that uh, we, we see it with Bornsteller in Halo Cryptum where the domain itself directly reaches out to him and um, it disobeys its own rules to tell him to preserve life in the galaxy and um, that the time of the Forerunners is coming to an end. And we see that same sort of thing happen in similar circumstances where they're in like distress, they've fallen down somewhere and the domain comes to the chief. And obviously he's had his big upgrade from the librarian um, which comes into play as well, just as Bornstar had had his mutation as well. So as I see it, those are sort of like parallel between those scenes where the domain itself, you know, through Cortana's influence is reaching out to the chief. So mechanically, I, I, I sort of rationalize it that way. Well, when you've got foreigner space magic. <laughs> yeah, it's the Halo version of it's the will of the force. Same <laughs> idea. We'll go to the Meridian system. <laughs> yeah, and then while you, because you mentioned it, like, I still don't honestly fully understand what the upgrade Chief got from the librarian was. No, I was gonna say um, I'm still wondering what that did. Yeah, like, what you, you know, what they're gonna do. What does she say? Kind of We're thing. gonna accelerate so your evolution, evolution, and that's the only explanation. Made him immune to the composer, yeah. uh, and um, potentially this particular uh, scene in Halo Five as well. It also seems to be how he hears the didact, and I think uh, in deleted dialogue in halo 4 which obviously is dubiously canon but it still speaks to the intention they do actually reference that a bit further um in terms of sort of like how the didact's communicating with him um so we've got three things at least there and we'll see whether any more gets kind of added to it it's crazy when you look at all this stuff because like chief has gone through a lot of changes Mm. over all the games but then they haven't really amounted to much in terms of gameplay at the very least yeah well, what do you what what would you like to see in terms of gameplay changes to reflect the chief's growing character? Like, how would that manifest in a gameplay mechanic? That's an interesting question because, like, if you made it so that that was the point that he could use Promethean weaponry, then that would be interesting. But at the same time, you then go half the game without without <laughs> a major part of the sandbox. Is that like, okay? Mm-hmm. That's quite difficult to manage. You could use the Metroid template and just go ah suit upgrade. There you go. <laughs> it works. Or you could even implement like damage boost, the speed boost and everything, overshield that maybe you could have on the suit. Just like any sort of kind of bull you you would want to pull. Instead of the grapple shot, it would just be like straight up telekinesis though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for Halo Infinite 2 with the, uh, with the morph ball for Halo Infinite 2. It's going to happen, I believe. <laughs> that game will have a 20-year plan. Oh god! Oh, you just not. Ah, oh, you did bring up the ten-year plan. It's just every time someone says ten-year plan, I get nervous. The last time it happened was with uh, Bungie and Destiny, and that went great. You know, that went swimmingly. <laughs> so, how about never talk about ten-year? Talk about one-year plans, two-year plans. Get me excited over that. The gaming industry changes so quickly. Like ten years is really ambitious. I mean, mm. three, four, three. 
I guess Microsoft has been having them follow whatever the popular format is. That's the question, I guess, with the 10-year plan is, does that mean Chief is going to be stuck in amber for 10 years? Because are they going to put out more campaign DLC, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. Yeah. Are they going to be on the Halo ring the whole time? Yeah. I'm confident Halo will exist for those 10 years as a backbone. We have the multiplayer components, and you know that thing's built to last. Mm-hmm. It's going to last us for a long-ass time. And you think they're going to stop the Chief's story after you finish the campaign on day one? Hell no. Hell no. You guys, <laughs> do you see them giving him, like, a, I don't know, a closing, an ending for their quote-unquote trilogy? Or because of the content drops, do you think they're going to have an open-ended conclusion to the campaign with more to come in the future to be continued campaign deals I, I honestly think with the way they pitched the opening of halo infinite as in the marketing push as in the battle already happened and you missed it i don't think they're gonna put a big nice bow on it the marketing is not always to be trusted well and there's a book you can read to find out exactly what happened uh, coming out <laughs> soon. there's always a book <laughs> But in the same vein, I, I, I think they're trying to move beyond the Chief. Well, they tried to move beyond the Chief with Five. Five was, I think, their their attempt to say Halo is bigger than him as the central character. And I think we responded in a very definite, it's good, but it's not what we want. We want more Chief. More Chief, not less. And I think Halo Infinite seems to be, at least the campaign side, seems to be a response to that. There's no lock this time. There's no hop along arbiter tagging along. It's just it's chief, chief, more chief. Well, I think the the tough part with those things is leaving aside how much do fans actually know about what they want until it's given to them. Like <laughs> uh, with Halo, I think it's something that struck me when I was I've been improving the Halo to Wikipedia page, and there were a lot of comments and reviews basically because the the arbiter was very divisive uh mm. but there were lots of comments along the lines of like and master chief is still at least still a quip machine who like kicks it but like so we're happy at least with that side except now we've got this whole other thing that what's going on with that got to learn about aliens and politics and yeah oh. And why is my HUD difference? What are you doing to me? I'm freaked out. I don't like these colors. There were people saying, oh man, this is like the Godfather Part 2 of Halo. And there were other people who do not want Godfather Part 2 in their Halo at all. So I think that's that's one of the ways where their stance in Infinite is canny in that they get to play both ways. They get to evolve the Chief as a character, but they also get to, to reset enough so that people don't feel overwhelmed um and i don't know i think as it's one of those things where how much of the complaints about the lack of chief are really about the lack of chief versus other stuff tangentially like for me like i think both halo 2 and halo 5 made the mistake of putting more time in with the other guy that's just never going to go over well um it's a it's remarkably daring like hey we're gonna do some new thing instead of relying on our our proven brand proven guy uh but that generally doesn't go over as well but also just i think like to me the halo 2 arbiter missions are generally worse missions like it's not as much fun to just fight i can definitely agree with that like yeah yeah and it so it's one of those things where if you're if you're 
enjoying the game for gameplay, yeah, you were like those crap bits where I played as this stupid Arbiter character versus, <coughs> oh, wow, I love the arc this character went through. Um, and so I think that might relate to how people deal with or don't deal with the chief in the future if he's less of a character in a game or he's not the main character in a game. Well, you could um, you can also argue that if you look at Bungie's trilogy as a story with an arc, which I know each one was kind of made separately, but you know, in retrospect, it's nice to look back at the full story. The middle point, I've been doing a lot of hero's journey analysis on my YouTube channel. So I'm starting to look at Halo through the same lens. The middle point is usually the descent into the belly of the beast where you encounter your shadow self. And who is better set up in the story to be Chief's shadow than the Arbiter? He's basically going through the same journey of having the blinders pulled off his eyes that Chief went through initially following Guilty Spark, attempting to activate the ring only to find out what that would actually do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when the Grave Mind repeats the information, what was basically the twist of Halo 1, you know, it's not just done for the audience's benefit, it's the it's that twist of the knife for the Arbiter. And uh, it, it's always bothered me, right, in Halo 2 Anniversary, the camera doesn't focus on the Arbiter when this information is told. But in the original Halo 2, it is like zoomed right in on him for his expression as he sort of like squirms. Yeah. The, the difference in approach, but is that if you're a returning player, you're coming from Halo 1, you're going into Halo 2, you don't have the luxury of the benefit of having spent 20, 30, 40 hours with the Arbiter by the time you get control of him versus the Chief. It's a familiar glove, if, if you know what I mean. Like, like there's that familiarity is ripped from you. And I'm not saying Halo 2's storytelling isn't awesome. I, I quite enjoy Halo 2's story in particular. It's just there's not enough time, no matter how good the story is, to get as acquainted with that other person. Like, you just know the Chief inside and out because you've been through a whole adventure. This is your second outing. And trying to catch up like that to the Chief, I felt was something out of their control for what they were trying to do well and that's that's also a sort of underlying thing that especially for games but i think now especially where people can watch the same movies repeatedly and get them on video like it's the like the whole nature of the chief cortana relationship on paper seems really weird because they've basically known each other for less than two months (laughs) like half that time was like in cryo and like basically just fighting stuff so they weren't actually like chatting and getting to know each other and in that sense like their their relationship i guess you can say some interesting stuff about the nature of codependence uh but it doesn't make much sense but of course it makes sense because as players we spent hundreds of hours playing those campaigns we waited three years in between each entry um and so that's that's part of it is as much as the master chief is created by the games it's also by player investment in those games absolutely i think that's kind of why and infinite they've really sort of looked for a solution to the cortana problem that they created for themselves in halo 5 because you know nobody was really jazzed about that direction for various reasons and now they've sort of looked to sort of um bring it back to the weapon and sort of pay off what halo 4 set up with uh, cortana's fear about uh, him being paired with a new ai it'll be really interesting to see how they handle that from there it also i think the interesting thing 
with what they're doing with the weapon totally not being Cortana is that it sort of inverts uh, the the bit in Halo 4 about being human versus machine, being a tool mm. versus having agency is that like they, Jen Taylor does an amazing job when we talked about this in our article on the, the thing that she is playing a completely different character and once again little little touches of the animation like she briefly like has her eyes dart up when she's reciting her mission to the chief like she's like kind of this nervous school kid mm. reciting to the class like that it is very much like well i was supposed to be this weapon that would get destroyed now what do i do like my purpose is is complete now uh and the chief can that having learned from cortana something about himself and that how he can sort of relate that to other characters um and this new cortana is um something i'm really interested to see how that shakes out definitely you know halo 4 was very much a deconstruction of the master chief and halo infinite has brought us around to this reconstruction of what it means to become the hero again and sort of you know see him in this new kind of light and i just i really can't wait to see that because from what they've shown thus far in the marketing in um in the scenes that we've actually seen They've done a really good job, I think, thus far. I'm really happy with the direction I see this character going. And I think that was one of my biggest sort of points of potential contention was um, that we just sort of like, you know, go all the way back to basics. But it seems like they're sort of taking his arc from Halo 1 to 4 and just sort of condensing that within the circumstances he's in. Because obviously he's speaking with the pilot who he doesn't know and he's got no sort of established relationship with. And he's got this complex relationship with the weapon who wears the face of his now seemingly dead previous best friend. And uh, it just puts him in these very unique circumstances that we see him sort of come to be, you know, the human that, uh, that has always sort of lived within him. Mm-hmm. I haven't read everything since Halo 5 launched. I don't really know what's going on with Blue Team. Are they in the picture? Is that... Probably not. So, like, the last thing we see of Blue Team is uh, in Shadows of Reach. They go back to Reach to pick up the leftover Halsey brains mentioned in Halsey's mm-hmm. journal, which lead to the creation of the weapon. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's the thing. Like, everyone's everyone's assuming, like, Blue Team is going to be, like, just off doing something everyone's assuming the lock is dead because of toy leaks. Um, (laughs) I feel like they, it's one of those things where like, it's always tough because in real life and like for dramatic purposes, of course you want every character to be expendable and die off. But in practical terms with the franchise and games, you can't do that. And I think they would be loath to kill them off. um, Partially because if you just, played the games then blue team are mostly just interesting characters who seem to have some relationship with the chief but there's not really that much investment if you kill them off and it would be like black team times five because blue team's <laughs> actually a decent character set of characters instead of black team <laughs> if they killed them off Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah like reintroducing them to players who hadn't read the books in halo 5 yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're as old as the series itself Mm-hmm. Guys, if you're lucky, we might see a high body count in the opening cutscene, okay? I have a hopes <laughs> for uh, Halo 5 Part 2. Come on, kill off some cutscene characters. <laughs> I think 343 has become a lot better at um, 
figuring out how to tell stories where they open doors rather than close them. And I think they've become a lot more kind of mindful mm -hmm. about how they do that. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of the issues, you know, going into Halo 5 with like, Escalation and that is that they're shutting doors left, right and centre <laughs> um, because they've obviously arrived at a very different place for the story they ended up telling with the created and everything versus what had been set up with, you know, the Janus key is the kind of central MacGuffin um, of, the, of that story. So in the last kind of few years with the fiction, I've definitely noticed the pattern where you know, stories might not necessarily kind of lead to any particular place, but they kind of could go anywhere. It was the same with like uh, with Renegades, you know, when you get to the end of that, they've obviously arrived with the intention of how they uh, told Spark's story in um, Point of Light. But you get to the end of that book and it feels like, yeah, you know, they could they've reset this character essentially so that they can kind of do anything with him in, in the near future. Yeah, it's kind of the Marvel formula, isn't it? You mean you just have mm. all these threads ready to weave into the next story if someone wants to, basically. Yeah. Well, and and three four three definitely has been big. I mean, we waited uh, thirteen years to find out what the Sharkoi were in uh, <laughs> Halo Envoy, which also followed up on Gray Team, which we hadn't heard of for him in nine years. So, uh, like. Uh, Julem Dama's kid got a, a got brought back up after five years in Legacy of Onyx, so like it'll take a while. But the plot threads, there's a good chance they'll they'll get addressed. We'll get to the didact eventually. <laughs> I'm still impressed that they are bringing it back to the Cortana line about her being replaced. You know, mm -hmm. go through a whole It'll game. Not be the same don't meme. Have yeah, any, that's yeah. That's yeah. a long time to wait for payoff on a line of dialogue. <laughs> Nine years. <laughs> I've been waiting a while. At some point, I'm going to be doing a Hero's Journey breakdown of Halo. I'm going to be getting into some video game content on my channel. Halo's probably going to be the first one. So I'm thinking a lot about his story and his arc. And I wonder if, if anyone had any ideas about what the general themes of Halo are. What either of Chief's journey or just the story overall, like what motifs are kind of central to, I want to say his transformations, but we just got finished saying that he doesn't really transform that much, but either way. In general, in general, like, uh, and this is sort of like part of the namesake of my blog is, uh, I think one of the major motifs throughout Halo is uh, truth and reconciliation. Obviously, you know, when uh, we certainly see that play out in Halo 2, where, you know, a truth is discovered and it leads to two sides kind of coming together. And Joe Staten's very keen on that himself, you know, with the shadow of intent as well, with Temba Tech, when he discovers that uh, he's been lied to by the other San Shayum he's with and he sort of reconciles with Rattas. Um So that's one that I've always just kind of like carried with me. And then incidentally, like, I feel like you can sort of condense any story down into the core themes of like, the ideas of how characters articulate family, home, and the need sort of like a revenge, I guess, on some level. I think that we've seen a lot of those sort of ideas um, throughout 343's fiction, to the point where Captain Carter's speech in Halo Wars 2 basically is like a, is like a summary of those three themes and sort of how it drives the story. So I guess for me, those are the ones that sort of like majorly kind of hit home. Mm-hmm. There's always like the 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 one that's staring in the face, like the blatant um, 
military patriotic embodiment of the ideal soldier that the Master Chief represents, because he doesn't always follow orders, but it's always for good reasons and has good, not bad consequences, you know? He's, he's, he's the perfect military ideal. And I think that the whole game series, everything about him, has that as like a major foundational point to his character. And I, not something you can ignore, especially if you're not American. It does come across a bit more obviously in your face for example. Something that 4 and 5 really want to kind of problematize, isn't it? Where uh, obviously the the whole <laughs> idea is that the Chief's kind of striking out on his own a bit more and he's becoming more independent. He's kind of off the leash. Yeah, and you can you can say that's another we were talking about how the world had changed around the Halo series that they had to change the Dervish's name to the Arbiter at the last minute because someone looked at the plot of Halo 2 and decided, wait, this seems like it could be a U.S. military <laughs> versus Muslim extremist allegory. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, and now, like, that would not, you couldn't have something probably that simplistic because uh, people would, would say, where is the nuance? Where's the other side? I always think about bringing it back to that military aesthetic and mindset, following orders versus questioning orders. So blind mm. obedience versus free will or choice. I mean, if you get down to it, most video game narratives in some way, if they're constructed well to the point where the mechanics and the story agree with one another, they're usually about choice to some degree. Because games as an interactive medium allow the audience a little bit more leeway in terms of choosing where the narrative goes to different capacities, obviously, but... You know, like with Bioshock, the loss of free will mm. in that moment, would you kindly? That's a huge moment just in the gaming storytelling scene in general. So the fact that you have a military character who's got to follow orders, he's used to following orders his whole life, and then he gets into this situation where he realizes that blindly following what other people tell him is going to lead to the destruction mm. of all sentient life in the galaxy, and he has this reversal of realizing I have to think for myself. It's a bit of a stretch because there's not that much actually in the narrative. But then you see it reflected in the Arbiter, too. He's under this religious institution, this super oppressive hierarchy, and he has to kind of learn to stop blindly following orders, blind faith, and start thinking for himself. Yeah, and even in Halo 3, you know, the chief makes the decision to say, I believe Cortana, my faith in Cortana is such that I would follow her through this portal against the wishes of Lord Hood. Good. What is his line? You trust Cortana that much? Sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and then in Halo 4, no, sir. You get the counter of that. The yeah. UNSC is not the same UNSC that I was allied with when I went into cryosleep, and I now I'm going to go against my orders. I'm thinking mm-hmm. for myself. Well, and I think... Because you're right, it's one of those things where we've been talking, like, he does change, but he also stays the same. Like, that, I think, with the Dennings books, um, Silent Storm and Oblivion, up through The Fall of Reach, which was really there in the beginning, the first part of Chief's change, besides he just gets better at being a soldier and better at killing, I guess. Uh, (laughs) He's he's definitely (laughs) racking up higher numbers at the end of the Covenant War. Um is that he had the question of what's it mean to be a leader and uh, especially in the fall of reach, the idea of like what's if you waste lives versus spending them Mm. uh, is what Mendez is trying to tell him. Uh, And then 
like you were saying, in Halo 4 and the post-war stuff, it's really been about less, it's much more of an internal uh, struggle and deciding yeah, that he, like anyone else, has agency. Uh, and I think it's another great example of Halo 4's great animation and cinematic stuff is that Lasky gives him this, like, what the hell are you smoking, Chief? Kind of thing when he's he's just like <laughs> our duty is to protect humanity. He's like, what are you talking about? Like, people are like the army is made of people. Uh, You're a people too, Chief. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it is that that I hope. And even if it's it's one of those things where it doesn't need to be super foregrounded, but if it's just in like the relationships he has with the weapon. Uh, doing a more empathic stance to this machine uh, and to uh, the pilot who is jonesing to just get the hell back to his family, like fate of the universe aside or not, um, that they can still explore that without having some great big moment uh, for Chief, that you can embed that into the story. We've also seen an escalation in Chief's independence under 343's stewardship. So like in Halo 4, he disobeys one order, right? And then in Halo 5, he goes absent without leave. It's a small moment. A lot of people didn't really notice that that's what happened, but mm. it's it's big. It's a big moment for his character. Yeah. I mean, we'll see who we end up meeting in Halo Infinite, but as far as we know for now, he's the ranking officer on the ring. Uh, he's the one giving orders and making the plan uh, with input, obviously, and I'm sure the weapon's going to be talking. But The thing is, like, the UNSC's basically fallen, right? I mean, at the end of Halo 5, you know, Infinity's on the run. The Earth has fallen, essentially. And so um, the the day that had long been kind of foreshadowed that the UNSC would fall has happened, and it's up to the Chief to kind of rebuild it. And we're already looking at these like new generation of Spartan fours, not in the sense that they're like a new kind of type of Spartan, but they are, you know, th- this sort of next generation of that class that uh, is kind of rebooting their sort of image. So it'd be interesting to see sort of like how that feeds into the larger story because it it it's definitely something that's kind of built up over a long period of time. Yeah, and if Chief has that much agency in terms of rebuilding what's left of humanity, what is he going to choose to rebuild, especially after everything he learned? And who the hell would trust Master Chief with civic policy? Like, come on. I mean, he'd clean up in the elections. It's like some random doughy politician (laughs) versus Master Chief. And that's the thing, is that Hunt the Truth really delves into that with... um, There's a great line from the shark who says that uh, the Chief sets the precedent for free reign in the military and he's got a lot of power and a lot of that responsibility that comes with it obviously playing on the whole spider-man thing but um you know we we see a lot of stories where they're just like what the hell is the chief up to you know following the events of halo 4 where he's like barreling down to a planet in a ship by himself registering as a meteorite to disrupt these peace talks and try and get richard sakibo out and everything it's just really interesting that uh, I'd love to see them have, you know, have done more with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this would be a good time to go back through Hunt the Truth, I guess. Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of good story beats in there. Mm-hmm. Never a bad time to go back to Hunt the Truth. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely the question. If we you ask, like, what the 
What do you think the final story with Chief will be? I think the one thing, the one ending that has only ever satisfied me for the Chief, and it's a bit of an out there one, but it's one that I really like, um, is that he becomes like a teacher and there's like um, a friend of mine, Decepticon Cobra, he just sort of like laid out this scene where I just pictured it sort of crystal perfectly of him sort of watching some kids playing King of the Hill in the distance and that would be the last that we see of him. That would be great. Yeah. That's never happening. <laughs> no, probably awesome not. That <laughs> Sounds nice. No. He is never... <laughs> Ever going out without some huge explosion, swelling <laughs> music, everyone affected. No, that ain't happening. <laughs> the the obvious answer is well, I guess the first, the most obvious answer is he never goes anywhere uh, because he's the face of Halo, and whether it's they recast him or they just keep him alive and. Steve Downs gets replaced at some point with a slightly less gravial, gravelly voice <laughs> to keep it going. Um, I'm pretty sure by the future they'll have uh, improved AI techniques enough. We'll have Steve Downs just sign over his voice and, and everything that will be done. He'll be an AI. <laughs> yeah, that stuff's getting kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he doesn't go anywhere. He goes down in a blaze of glory. Uh and then there is the the quiet option, which I think would be interesting. Um, although it's it's definitely one of those things where I don't think, because we were talking about like as a former child soldier who's the military has been his entire life. To me, you couldn't have a story where he just settles down without having some story that addresses that in some way. Like maybe him teaching in a military academy or something like that or even just that would be a way of tying it up but i feel like he's definitely not some guy who could just all right i'm gonna tend to some like grapes in france and that's not (laughs) what he's gonna chateau picard yes (laughs) so that would make for a great tad's talk as a former child soldier a talk by the master chief (laughs) yeah so i mean i would like i think there's there'd be a lot of options and some value in a quiet end. Um, I trust that three four three might actually take that direction artistically. I think that is something that would they very much might do. At least maybe thematically, because he yeah. has been rediscovering his humanity. So that might not be the exact ending, but something along those lines would be really nice. Or it'll be a, a repetition of the. Uh, end of the Didax story. He just futs off to another planet uh, and just strips off his armor and just like goes gardening. <laughs> if he gets some kind of end where he lives a digital virtual happy life with his waifu Cortana and has children in some kind of virtual <laughs> fantasy, I'm coming after each one of you personally. I'll blame you for it because I, I'll blame you and I will get revenge. Let me state for the record, that's not what I want from my Halo stories. <laughs> It is now because it will piss off Danny and we'll be having this chat in 2031. Yes, San Junipero. Uh, that, would, that would be a choice. Oh My personal uh, hope is that they basically just rip off Blade Runner 2049, but with the Master Chief. And uh, I, I know that Frank O'Connor is a big fan of Denis Villeneuve, so uh, I could see that happening. Well, we will see. All right. Uh, I guess that wraps it up. 
thanks, Herespus and Isaac, for coming on and talking. Measure as always. Of course. Uh, what's your channel URL, Isaac? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, if you just go to YouTube and search for off-screen, two words, it'll be the first result. I've got a lot of, obviously, I talked about the Heroes Journey breakdowns. Um, Star Wars 1 is the most popular right now for obvious reasons, but I plan on doing many more and a lot of other stuff besides that. So go check it out. You can find all the other links on on there. And then uh, you can check out Herespus' stuff. Uh, Your URL is herespus.blog, right? It is indeed. And I'm also working on a new project right now called Previously on Halo, which is um, very ambitious. Uh, It seeks to summarize every game, every book, every comic, and all the other media uh, as a sort of way to get everyone sort of on the same page, you know. I've done the same for Destiny, and people really responded to that well. So I thought, well, I'll kick it up a notch, and I'll try it for every single Halo story. I've finished all the games right now. I've done all the games in the summary. Good fourteen to 15,000 words overall uh, that the site's currently at. Perhaps you should look up the definition of summary. <laughs> this is overall, so there, there's plenty of like stuff which is broken down into very small chunks. So the way these stories would be sort of retold is through a brief sort of snippet of like in-character sort of dialogue. So, for example, Halo 3 is retold through uh, the ongoing autobiography of Marcus Staker, who uh, has had quite the career. Okay. Well, that sounds exciting. All right. Yeah. So, show notes and links for this episode, as well as articles and more, can be found on our website, forwardintodawn.com. You can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Uh, check out our videos on YouTube at youtube.com slash forwardintodawn, or follow us on Twitter for updates to all our content uh, at the handle at forwarddawn. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Mm-hmm.